1: 707 on a Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful. What do you want to do? What do you not want to do? What do you think you want to do and want some confirmation it's the right thing to do? You want to do organic gardening? Great. I'll give you some advice on that. If you want to do any kind of critter control, bug control, things like that, I'll give you some ideas of what to do with that as well. My number's easy: 404-872. 0750. Gail's in in Dunwoody, I should say, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Gail. Morning. Good morning, Walter. Hi. How can I help?
2: Oh, I let monkey grass overrun so much of my yard, and I want to help on my options for getting rid of it um, uh, other than glyphosate. <laughs>
1: <laughs> then uh, the shovel. <laughs> That's it, there are no other options besides glyphosate Okay, or the shovel Or the shovel, yeah,
2: dig it up I'm having this idea of clearing out the shovel, you know, bed by bed and pounding in um, edging And I assume it needs to be pretty
1: deep Not really, I think monkey grass, the root system is only about 5 or 6 inches deep, I would think So anything 5 or 6 inches deep, I think we keep it at bay I think it'd be fine. Okay. Yeah.
2: Um, and can you recommend any kind of tool to help me,
1: <laughs> you know,
2: dig out and where I can put the um, edging? What's What's the proper tool to use to mm. get the edging in?
1: Now that is a great question, Gail. What would I use to put edging in? I have what's called sometimes a sharpshooter spade, which is very narrow. Um, It's about 18 inches long The end of it is about 4 inches wide And the upper end where I put my foot Is about 8 inches wide Plumbers use it Plumbers use it for digging narrow ditches To put their uh, pipes in So they call it sharpshooter Or plumber plumber shovel I guess You can get that from the big box stores Hardware stores Um, If you had a flat spade there, There are things called edging spades they basically use to cut the grass to make an edge around your lawn. But I don't see why you couldn't use that, just stick it straight down into the soil and make a little groove that you could stick the edges down in there. Um, that's it. That's all I can think of right now, Gail. Okay. But as far oh, as you know, I was thinking though too about the tool for digging the digging the leary oak, the monkey grass. There is one that I got from somewhere called an ugly tool. That's exactly the name, the ugly tool. It's a little short-handled chopping thing. It has a a blade on one end, like a a mattock or something, and a little hook, uh, fork thing on the other side. And that chopping tool, that ugly tool, has been really handy for me to make little short chops into the ground to pull things out of the ground. So look around again at the hardware store in their tool section and see if you don't find something there that's maybe more... Handy for you to use than a shovel would be.
2: Okay. Thank uh, you very much.
1: Nothing to it. Thanks for calling, Gail. Great question. Bye-bye. Oh, 40487. Well, I'm not going to do that. You know what the question is. Let's go to D in Flowery Branch. Hey, Dee, good morning. Good morning. Hi. Um,
2: I was calling to ask, when do you prune peonies, azaleas, and rhododendron?
1: All right. Let's see. On azaleas and rhododendron, the answer is now. So that's easy enough. They finish blooming. I believe all of your azaleas and rhodes are are finished. Oh, the
2: rhododendrons. Mine has it. It's just got the buds on it. Oh
1: man! Well, you wait until they finish blooming. Okay. And then for the peony, they are blooming now, and the nice big green leaves are growing. I don't think you need to prune peonies until the fall when the leaves naturally freeze and fall to the ground. So I don't prune mine ever after they bloom. I just let them grow and absorb energy for okay. next year. So I don't do anything to the peonies after the flowers come. I take the flower, the little stems that the flowers come on are sort of ugly, and so I cut those off. That's about all I do.
2: Okay. And one last question. It has to do with the hummingbird feeder. Okay. Uh, I have a new one, and I filled it with water and sugar that I mixed on the stove, like the directions said, and I've had it up for two weeks. I saw one bird come and leave and none come back. (laughs) What are are you supposed to do?
1: (laughs) One more thing you can do is put things that catch the eye of a bird, and it could be a red ribbon or a little bit of aluminum foil that sort of wiggles in the wind. Something that says to the bird, you don't have to have the sugar water be red. That's not necessary. But things right. that catch the eye of the birds around are going to be attractive to them. And so they'll come investigate. Hopefully, they'll find your little uh, feeding station mm-hmm. there and put their nose down in and drink some sugar water and tell all their friends they'll all come to your yard. I know they're all here. Right. I've, I've heard friends say they've got their first one or two hummingbirds. So I know they're around. It may just take a while for them to find yours. So you put something up that makes them want to come to see you and visit you. All right. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate uh, you. Sure help. do. Thanks for calling. Four zero four. I am again. I keep wanting to say the words, but you know those numbers. 404-872-0750. Tim over in Maxie's Georgia. Hey, Tim. Good morning. Hey, good morning. How you doing? I'm doing fine, Tim. What you need?
0: I want to know if uh, Zoysia grass is going to be a good choice for uh, about a 500-square-foot patch of lawn that I have that gets about four hours of sunlight a day. Do you think zoysia will take well there?
1: No. No. You you want the one-word answer? I got either yes or no, and no is my answer. Four hours, Tim, is really marginal for most any grass, even fescue. Fescue would love to have five or six, and what you'll fight if you put zoysia or fescue in there? is that the grass will, will thin out over a year or two's time. You'll get little patches of bare soil, which is exactly what weeds love. Weeds love bare soil. And then you get into this treadmill of trying to control weeds and getting the to fill in those little spots. And it just becomes a real headache. And I would rather you start out with something that does like the shade, do various perennials and ground covers and stuff like that, Rather than beating your head bloody trying to get zoysia to grow in four hours of sun, it's just not not the greatest amount of sunshine that it wants. What
0: would you say is the minimum? If I there, there I can take a few branches back to to That'd open be, up a little more sunlight. Would that you would
1: you be would good be too. If minimum? you can do that, I would love to have at least five and preferably six as a minimum.
0: Okay. Uh, would Bermuda do the same in an area? Of- of that type of sunlight? No, nah,
1: Bermuda, I don't think it would do quite as good as zoysia would. Uh, the thin-bladed, it seems to me, the emerald-type zoysias, the thin-bladed zoysias, seems to do better in shade. But I know that Zeon, Z-E-O-N, Zeon zoysia, has been touted by some to be real shade-tolerant or as shade-tolerant as you can get with uh, with uh, zoysias. So try Zeon or one of the emerald-thin-bladed zoysias.
0: Okay, so either Zeon or Zena.
1: Or is Emerald, Zeon, Zenith Zenith would probably do pretty good there Emerald as well Emerald, Zeon, Zenith And those are your choices And try to get as much sun as you can
0: Okay, thank you I appreciate it, Walter
1: right, I'm uh, sure Tim liked that one word answer that I gave him No, but you got to have light Grass eats sunshine If you don't feed the grass, the grass doesn't grow very well And then you get on the weed treadmill And that is not a place you want to be Jim's down in Petrie City and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Jim, good morning.
2: Uh, Good morning. I've got crape myrtles with the shoots coming out around the base. It's a trunk. How do I manage that? And if I plant other crape myrtles, how do I prevent that?
1: How much do you prune them in the wintertime, Jim?
2: Uh, Pretty substantially.
1: That's, That's your problem right there. When you cut off the top, the lower part of the tree says, well, look, if Jim doesn't want us to grow up here, we'll grow down there. So they put out new, you know, new growth, new sprouts at the base of the tree. So if there's a way you can avoid pruning the top, you'll have less sprouts at the bottom. If you continue to prune the top severely, you're going to continue to have sprouts at the bottom, and there's really no good way to prevent that.
0: Okay.
2: So just avoid the pruning altogether? Is that what you're saying?
1: I do something on mine called pencil pruning, Jim, and that means you just take these, when you're pruning it in the wintertime, you take everything that's smaller than a pencil or even smaller than your thumb. The little finger or thumb is okay with me. So a half inch to three-quarters of an inch, you take everything that's smaller than that diameter off the tree or down to that point, and you'll end up with a nice, nicely proportioned tree. It won't be quite as severe as you do if you we're doing it now probably with a chainsaw and taking a lot of the limbs off. And so if you can minimize the pruning in the winter, a little bit of pruning is okay with me, but minimize as much as you can, and that will minimize the amount of sprouts that you get in spring.
2: Okay. Now, the sprouts that I already have, is there anything to use on those that uh, sort of slows them down or prevents no, them?
1: No, just cut them off. Cut them off at the base and continue to do that.
2: Okay. All right, Walter. Thanks for your help. Always All right, appreciate dude.
1: it. I wish I had a better answer. but That is the answer. you got to minimize the top, and that will minimize the amount of growth at the bottom. It's 7.17 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back after this.
2: This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need.
1: In the grass on a Saturday morning, and a quick weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. High today's 87, 88 degrees, low tonight 64. Tomorrow also pretty warm, 88 degrees tomorrow, low of 67. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Jason is in Jefferson, plagued by worms going all over his house. Hey, Jason, what do you got?
0: I've got a little, I guess they're about one inch long, a bunch of little legs. And they're everywhere, and my daughter is like having a conniption Won't come yeah. out of the house
1: <laughs> are they just and I, I
0: think you've answered this, and I missed it, so i asked, I'm asking again
1: are they caterpillars or are they millipedes? I think
0: they're millipedes,
1: yeah like like millions of little little brown legs all along it you got it yeah, but caterp- they're you
0: know they're they're you know an inch long and maybe a i don't know a quarter inch wide, they're tiny, no fuzz on their back yeah. or anything like that Yeah, yeah, yeah
1: when I was working for the university back oh, 10 years ago, I guess, there was a, a big outbreak, it seemed to me, that everybody who was calling our office had millipedes calling up their garage and their carport just all over the place. And the TV station wanted to do a little story on them, and so I went to meet with a reporter. I tied a piece of string around a millipede, and I had him so he looked like he was my pet millipede. I showed it to the camera, and said, this is my pet millipede, Mark. And... Uh, so you can uh, show your daughter how you put string around the neck of the millipede. She can just let him follow you, go around and around if you want to. The best thing, I think, Jason, easy to do is get a just a normal landscape insecticide. Seven works fine. Eight works fine. Bonide has two or three good insecticides. And just spray the foundation and out a couple of feet for the foundation of the house. The mulched areas is where the millipedes uh, multiply and up the side of the house a foot or two there on the foundation and just make a, a band, I say, around the house of insecticide-treated area and kill them that way. You'll get pretty good uh, reduction in the numbers over about five days. You'll see them really reduce the first couple of days, and then you'll see the stragglers get poisoned as well.
0: Okay, fantastic. I will definitely do that then.
1: And show that baby how to make a little pet. Maybe she'll turn around and she'll be a millipede lover after all.
2: <laughs> Thank you, sir. I very All much right. appreciate it. Yeah,
1: man. See you soon, Jason. Coming up to the next, in the next half hour, Lisa in Flowery Branch has pecan trees. Needs a little advice on what to do with them. Rick in Lawrenceville has a clear liquid at the end of his peach tree branch. Why is that? Well, I was thinking about that for a minute. Carol in Marietta has also transplant sod from the backyard to the front yard. Needs a little advice. And Barb in Dicula has strawberry, vanilla, dwarf, hydrangea, has a question about that. You can join us, 404-872-0750, as long as you remember that if you go to WalterReeves.com, you can subscribe to our free email newsletter. Every other week we put out a free email gardening newsletter. And it has all sorts of stuff in it. The last issue that came out this past Thursday, had an article about ticks and how to control and identify and manage tick populations in your landscape. Um, a guy who had uh, his red rose bush had a peach-colored rose blossom coming out of his rose. We did an explanation for that. And then a Japanese maple, which I see quite pretty often as I drive around Atlanta, a Japanese maple that has two color leaves on it, one, in this case, red, and one deep, deep purple. Why does a Japanese maple do that? What I explained to him was that the Japanese maple is a grafted tree almost all of the miniature Japanese maples are grafted trees, and somehow, somewhere, somebody let the scion, the stuff that's down in the, in the ground, the rootstock, I guess it's called, the rootstock has been allowed to grow, and this is the part that has the light red leaves, and the purple leaves is what he really wanted on the tree. What do you do? You cut out the red leaves. You cut out the red leaves, and then they let the top grow nicely, the purple leaves grow nicely, it look a little weird for a year or two, but then it'll grow in, it'll look like a really nice Japanese maple. Again, you can subscribe to the email newsletter. It's free. All we want is your email address and your zip code so we know who we're sending it. WalterReeves.com, upper right-hand corner. Subscribe to the newsletter. It's 727. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful, doing whatever you want to do in your landscape or with your garden or whatever you think you need to know. 404-872-0750 is the number. Carol, I didn't marry yet, I dialed those digits a few minutes ago. Hi, Carol. Good morning. Good morning. So what are we... Oops, Carol, where did Carol go? All of a sudden, she just dropped out of there. Well, we've got plenty of calls in front of her. Let's go to Lisa at Flowery Branch. Hey Lisa. Good morning. Good morning, Walter. Hey Lisa. I was... have
0: some, I have some pecan trees yeah. in the back of um that surround our property. We've lived here for five years and I just realized last year that that's what they were.
1: <laughs> and, <laughs> right.
0: uh, um they're in they're in with all kinds of pine trees and stuff too, but yeah. um they had pecans and I was last summer and I was really excited and they just turned brown and inside they're just like yeah. dusty fluffy. Right. Yeah. So what do I do? I've never fertilized them or done anything to them.
1: That's what we're going to get started doing. I can't guarantee you won't have the yuckiness some years because it will all depend on the amount of moisture we get in the spring and what the timing of the moisture. And I'm not a smart enough person to know whether that means that we will have scab badly or not badly this year. But the disease you have is called pecan scab, S-C-A-B, pecan scab. And it's very common on pecan trees. The older seedling trees are ones that are more susceptible to it, and the younger trees, the more modern varieties, have more resistance to it. But yours are old; they're probably you know moderately susceptible to, the, to to the disease. So there's not much you can do about the disease itself because you can't spray fungicides up in the tree or anything like they can down in South Georgia. So what you work on is making the tree healthy, and if you make the tree healthy, then hopefully it fights some of the fight by itself. And fertilization is the first thing you try to do. So here is the way to do it, Lisa. Um, okay. About how how thick, how wide would you say the trunk of one of them is? The trunk? Yeah. Um,
0: probably about six inches.
1: Okay, so they're not huge. They're not 12, 15, 20 inches or anything like that. All right, six inches. That's good, easy number to remember. For every inch in width for each tree, every inch in width stands for one pound of 10-10-10. So you go to the garden center and get a bag of 10-10-10, and you measure your tree. You say, well, that's about six inches wide. That's six pounds of 10-10-10. So you go and scoop up six pounds, by weigh it on your uh, bathroom scale if you want to, and scatter it on the ground underneath the drip line of the tree and a little further out of the drip line. And you know what the drip line is, Lisa?
0: No, he's going to ask you what that was. It's
1: the end of the branches, basically the end of the branches where the rainwater drips off the off the ends of the pecan tree. That's what the drip line is. So you scatter okay. the fertilizer, your six pounds of 10 10 10, scatter the fertilizer around the tree at the drip line and a little beyond. That's where all the feeder roots are. And you do that once now and do it another time in. Let's do that in September, October would be fine.
0: What do and, I do with all the dead branches and all the dead pecans? Do I need to trim those or just uh, leave
1: them? Are they on the ground or on the tree?
0: They're on the tree.
1: Trim them. If they're dead, don't have any leaves now, then they are dead, and you can just trim them off. Okay. Easy enough. I will do that. So that's just you and a bag of ten, 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 and a okay. ruler or something to measure the width of the tee. Boom, to boom. You got it done. Okay. Thank you. You bet, Lisa. Thanks for calling. Four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty. You know, with Lisa, I try to do a nice, easy to understand explanation. If you need an easy to understand explanation, say "make it simple." I'll do my best to make it simple, just for anyone who calls. Rick, as it is it Lawrenceville. Well, hey, Rick. Good morning.
0: Good morning, Walter.
1: What you got, Rick?
2: Well, I've got a couple peach trees. I planted two years ago, and this is the first year I've had peaches. They're yeah. loaded with them, but they're falling off. They're yeah. about two inches in diameter, and there's a dark substance on the end of the branches, and then a clear liquid came out around these where the buds are.
1: Yeah. All right, a couple yeah. of things to to note, Rick. Is number one, have you do you know about thinning peaches? You know, I talked about that. We've heard me we talk about thinning peaches.
2: Uh, toward the center of the tree?
1: No, this is just one where you try to space the fruit out on a branch. You want to have nothing closer than four inches, preferably five or six inches apart. Each fruit, each okay. individual fruit needs to be about five or six inches apart on the branch. And that'll take away okay. a lot of the fruit on your tree, I recognize. But if you don't thin, you won't have any big peaches. You'll have little bitty peaches that will not sweeten up very well. They won't taste all that good. And so thinning is one of the first things you learn to do as a peach tree owner. And the time to do it really, Rick, would be when the peach gets around one inch in diameter. So you're behind the, behind the time now. Usually it's in the early part of May or maybe the latter part of April when those fruits have gotten about an inch in diameter and you thin them out then. And the clear liquid coming off the end could be a number of things. There's a condition just called gumosis. Gum comes out of your cherry, your peach, your plum, branches. Sometimes it's caused by stress, sometimes it's caused by insect borers going in. It's nothing that I think a homeowner would want to mess with. So frankly, again, like the lady just now with the pecan tree, if you keep your, your peach tree healthy by fertilizing, by thinning the fruit, tending to water when it needs watering, I think the gum, the gummy stuff coming out is not going to be a big deal. The big thing is thinning right now, though. You need to do that.
2: Do I need to spray the
1: trees? Uh, it would be good. Yeah, you know, I need to talk about that. The peach trees should be start them when the flowers are on, which obviously is long ago, a couple of months ago now, with the time to spray more to control insects. And there's another insect called the curculio. Curculio. It lives in the ground. Uh, they crawl up the trunk of the tree, and they attack the fruit. They'll, they'll put their little dirty noses into the fruit and infect the fruit with a rot that causes the, fru- the fruit when it gets about – Uh, The day before it ripens fully, it'll turn brown and rot and fall off the tree. So curculio needs to be controlled, and you spray the insecticide on the trunk, on the ground under the tree, and on the leaves of the tree to try to get all the curculio dead, gone, before the fruit starts uh, sizing up, before it gets big. And any garden insecticide that's labeled for use on fruit trees is what you use for that.
2: Okay. I appreciate it.
1: If you need some more details, Rick, I've got a got a whole page of stuff on my website. Just go in and walterreaves.com. Just type peach, and there's an article about peach curculio, peach uh, scab prevention, peach fertilization, all those kind of things you need to know. So go go look at that and see if it doesn't help a little bit.
2: Okay, well, I appreciate it. Have a good day.
1: You too, Rick. Thanks for calling. Enjoy the peaches. It's real nice. If you manage the peach well, you can have really nice fruit. Uh, Barbara is in Decatur, in, in Decula, excuse me, in Decula, joins us. Hey, Barb, good morning.
2: Hi, good morning, Walter. Hi. I'm so glad to talk with you.
1: What's
2: <laughs> you got? Um, well, we're having um, uh, landscapers come in and redo an island in the right front corner of our medium-sized yard. It's uh, Southern Exposure. Okay. And I was looking at plants online, and I came across a plant called the Strawberry Vanilla Hydrangea. Yeah, great. Pretty
1: hydrangea. And it comes
2: in a dwarf version.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I was wondering where you might think I could uh, purchase these in the Atlanta area.
1: A P-I-K-E Pike? Oh, <laughs> they have a dwarf pike. version,
2: do you think? Well,
1: you call them and ask. <clears throat> oh, okay. You know, each pike okay. is able to... I didn't know if
2: that was a common plant or if it was kind of rare. It's or...
1: reasonably common. I bought a, what's called Strawberry Vanilla... Oh, no, excuse me, Strawberry Sundae. Strawberry Sunday hydrangea four weeks ago, I guess, it the pike on Tuckle Hill. So I know they have a bunch of different of the, this is called panicle hydrangeas, Bar. if you want a good name to remember, the panicle hydrangeas, meaning that they bloom in the midsummer and and on later on. So they're not the kind that have the mophead, the blue, and the pink flowers. These will have sort of a white flower that can turn various colors, pink in my case, for the strawberry Sunday, In yours, the strawberry vanilla may do the same. So, um, the panicle hydrangeas, you can prune them in the winter or spring. They still bloom just fine in midsummer to late summer. But call okay. the pike and just say, hey, do you have strawberry vanilla? And if you don't, does any pike nearby have it? And find them from there. Okay.
2: That. Because I know the, the normal version gets to be too big, you know, yeah. uh, five yeah. or six feet. That's why I was looking for the dwarf.
1: Exactly. Version, uh-huh.
2: so. Okay. And that would be good for around the base of a tree, like in southern exposure?
1: It seems sort of shady under the base of a tree. Wouldn't you want some more sunshine on it?
2: Well, it's pretty full sun. We recently had... Uh, um, the canopy er- raised, uh-huh. okay. um, so there's All quite right. a bit of sun. All right, if you uh, think you got there. enough
1: sun, I think I'm, I'd, go, I'd, I'd be good with that. Try it and see. I think it should okay. work.
2: All right, fantastic. Well, thank you so
1: much. I appreciate it. You bet, Barb. Thanks for calling. Okay. Bye bye. I had the same situation that Barb had. That the limelight hydrangea, another panicle hydrangea, and limelight gets pretty big. It can be six, seven feet tall sometimes. That was way too big for a spot that I had in mind to put a of summer flowering hydrangea. So there's one called little lime. And little lime only gets about three feet tall and three or four feet maybe wide. So it's a perfect dwarf form of the limelight little lime. So that's what I did in my situation. If you look for the dwarf form of the particular plant that you want, many times you can find a smaller size that you can use in your landscape. Jeff is in Alpharetta. Hey, Jeff, good morning. Hey, how are you today, well pretty fine, Jeff. What you need? What's going on?
2: Listen, I've got uh, I've got about five of those crepe myrtles in my backyard, and i got to tell you they've, they've got to be 20 feet high. Yeah. Um, I know I missed – you see everybody pruning those things back, uh, you know, a month or two or three ago, yeah. and I never did it. And I'm just wondering, am I able to cut those things down to, you know, 10 feet off the ground? Lose all the branches and the leaves and everything without hurting that tree at this time.
1: I'm thinking. <laughs> you hear the gears grinding in the microphone right now. It's because I'm thinking about it. I, th- I thought I lost you. <laughs> um, it's not going to kill it, Jeff. But Boy, that is not going to be a happy crepe myrtle. I I think in my head, you just can't kill crepe myrtles. You do almost any kind of abuse you want to to them. You can cut that one down to the base, Jeff. You cut it down to one inch tall, and all the roots from 20 feet away from it will start sprouting up little um, crepe myrtles Uh from the roots, too. So it's not going to die. It's going to be ugly. Why do you want it down at 10 feet rather than 20 feet?
2: Well, just... um... The thing I don't like about it, it, it's causing too much shade in my backyard and it's Uh, killing all my Bermuda grass. I got it. it.
1: What I would do, Jeff, here's what I would do, is I would cut some, maybe 25 to 30 percent of the foliage on the tree, remove that now. That's not going to hurt it at all. And wait, that'll give you some more sun to help your grass grow. So 25 to 30% removed now, and then in December, January of next year, removed down to 10 feet, and you'll get not lots of new sprouts. It looks sort of funny, but that's what Jeff wants. Just let Jeff do it. Uh, so it looks sort of funny when it sprouts back out in March, April, May, and you can then train. You can select some of the sprouts that you like and some that you don't like, uh, take them away. And see if you can form it up around 10 feet to not be 20 feet tall. It's going to want to be 20 feet tall. I mean, frankly, it's going to want to be 20 feet tall the rest of its life and your life, too. So you're going to have a continual pruning process to do every year. But if you're judicious about it, yes, yeah, sometimes you can get them to look pretty well, pretty good, and not look terribly ugly. But that's what I would do. It's 6.00, 7.48. We'll be back after this.
2: This is Scott Slade from Atlantis Morning News on WSB. Our 24-hour news center delivers updates all weekend. Depend on it. We'll be here Monday morning, 4.30 till 9, for breaking news and traffic and weather every six minutes. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves. Into the country, I'm going to eat a lot of peaches i'm moving to the country i'm gonna
1: eat me a lot of peaches i'm moving to the country i'm gonna eat a lot of peaches i'm moving to the country i'm gonna eat a lot of peaches hi john jesson nice, uh, Justin. nice selection of music by there by Justin. always doing our music this morning Engineering our show he chose a great song for us let's see kevin latin Covington, got a problem with his leland cypress What's wrong with the Leland, Kevin? Hey, Walter, good morning. Hey, good morning.
2: Hey, I planted these uh, trees about two years ago, and while they haven't died, they haven't grown uh, lengthwise at all. Okay. So I don't know what am I doing wrong.
1: It's not what you're doing now, it's what you did then. (laughs) (laughs) If they're not growing now, after two years in the ground, Kevin, they did not get a good root expansion after they were planted, most likely because the area where you planted them, you did not loosen the soil around uh, where you planted them, because the soil, to really get the roots out and away from the base of the tree, the soil needs to be loosened, oh, three to four okay. feet around each tree. And my vision of Kevin in Covington is he got his post hole digger or shovel and went and dug a little hole in the ground and stuffed it in there and left it. Yeah, it's out it, right? Yeah, So the roots haven't gone anywhere But here's the good news We can fix that I think we can fix that anyway It will require some work on your part But the work is just making up What you didn't do last time Get a spading fork Or a pitchfork Or something that sticks in the ground And go out there Uh and poke as many holes as you can As deep as you can Around the Leland cypress Going from the base of the tree Whatever you can reach Out three feet away and I mean okay. 100 holes per tree. Your, okay. your shoulders are going to be burning. Your shoulders are going to be hurting. You're going to wish I'd never told you this. But what you're trying to do is aerify the soil, loosen the soil, so the roots can penetrate a little further out. If you'll grow, okay. run in there and put some um, slow-acting fertilizer in it, some holly tone or milorganite or um, what else would be good in this? Slow-acting fertilizer. Holytone, melorganite. Oh, Dr. Earth, the, the stuff that they sell at Pike, all these things work very nicely as a slow fertilizer, aerated soil, living cycle starts getting something to eat, and all of a sudden they take off and they're taller than Kevin after a year or two. Okay. All right.
2: Thanks a lot, Walter. All I'll right. definitely take
1: care of it. When your shoulder's okay. burning out there, you're going to thank me a lot. You're really going <laughs> to thank me a lot. You're going to say big, bad <laughs> <laughs> words about Walter on the radio. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's what you do, Kevin. All right, man. All right, man. I'll take care of it. Thank you. You think I don't curse the man on the radio? I do curse the man on the radio. Sometimes the man on the radio is in my ear saying, you need to dig a bigger hole, Walter. You need to fertilize better, Walter. You need to mow the lawn more often, Walter. The man on the radio, go to sleep. Go somewhere else. Do not bother me like you're bothering me. But I listen to myself sometimes and thinking, doggone it. (sighs) All right, bigger hole. That's what I'll have to do. All right, coming up in the next half hour, Stan in East Cobb says he wants to know if he can grow a banana tree in a place like Marietta. Yes, but there's something to remember about that. Kevin Decatur wants to know suggestions on growing a low-growing ground cover. Mervot in Roswell, a weeping willow tree in front of the house, wants to know if it will hurt the foundation. And Mike in Sandy Springs, a Bradford pear tree, how to treat it. It seems to be dying. Maybe good luck for you, Mike. I got a good, good answer for you. Carolyn Marietta has Sod. Has she wants to transport from the back to the front. We'll get to them as well. 404 is my number on Lawn and Garden, and we will be back right after news.